the Links and Locks podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. (laughs) Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Links and Locks podcast. The DFS edition. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Len Hochberg from RotoWire. And we're about to go through our favorite plays on the board for this week's RBC Heritage. But first, let's walk backwards just a little bit, Len. Talk about the Masters this past week. I was in Augusta. What a whirlwind tour. I left at 530 in Augusta with some car troubles and finally made it back home. And man, what a week it was. It was a great week to be out there. Got to spend some time uh, watching Tiger on the golf course. Talked to him a bunch afterwards. Scotty Scheffler is fantastic. He is the best golfer in the world right now. I wasn't sure that he was a week ago. I thought he was deserving of the number one ranking in the world, but I didn't know that he was the best in the world. Right now, he's the best. These things can change, but yeah, right now, he is the best. And so, a great week out there. Len, what would you think of things? It's hard not to think that Scheffler is just the best, and he really was unflappable. I mean, there were some openings there where we could have seen the leaderboard tighten and he just wouldn't let it happen it's very impressive as someone who picked cam smith to win it was very frustrating (laughs) four wins by april and a major and a wgc i mean this is quite a season and he likes southern hills so everybody watch out in his bio southern hills is his favorite golf course i also thought he might be a good play for the u.s open where you know there was a mini u.s open about a month ago at the arnold palmer invitational which was playing in brutal conditions. He won that one. And then uh, on Twitter, I put that out about Southern Hills. Eddie Pepperell said, watch out for him at St. Andrews. He, his short game is great. He makes a lot of birdies. I could see him doing well there. And I essentially wrote those things and wrote back and said, well, congrats to Scotty on the slam. Good luck next year, everybody. Uh, I don't know what else we can do there. By the way, you and I both went through lineups that, not that we had, but in contests that we were in over the past week. And the best lineup that, we found, I believe, was 486 points. If you had Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Cameron Smith, Cameron Champ, Charles Schwartzel, Danny Willett, congratulations. You are the new host of the Links and Locks podcast. We will turn the keys over to you. Great picking. I don't know. Look, you had Champ, Schwartzel, and Willett on the back end of your lineup. That's just great. I'm not even mad. I'm just amazed. To get Rory and Cam Smith and Scheffler, even that, to fit that into your lineup, just masterful, masterful. No pun intended, sorry. Yeah, you intended the pun. We get it. (laughs) Let's get to this week's RBC Heritage. We've got a nice field this week. Usually, RBC Heritage is one where we can pick out some really good, maybe shorter hitters, ball strikers at Harbortown, and we don't have to deal with the big names. A lot of big names, though, making the trip to Hilton Head this week. And so going down the list, Starting at 11,100, Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith at 10,800, Dustin Johnson, 10,5, Colin Morikawa, 10,2, Patrick Cantley, 10. Uh, we'll go down to some guys who are just below that tier in a minute, but what do you make of this top tier here? I mean, quite frankly, it's one of those deals where you look at them, you go, I can see it on the positive side for any of them. I can see it on the negative side for any of them. Uh, I did some research this week, by the way, Len, looking at top five finishers at Harbor Town over the last 10 years and whether they played the Masters and if they played the Masters, where they finished. And the results are 
Very, very inconclusive. But that doesn't mean we can't glean anything from it. And so what I take from that is you don't just have to take guys that play in the Masters. You can take guys who had the week off. You can take guys that play in the Masters. And if you do, you can take guys that played pretty well, that were on the leaderboard, that were challenging for the title. You can take guys that missed the cut. There really is no conclusion here. And so I think we can actually use that to our benefit. It's either, oh, let's chase all the Masters players or let's bench all the Masters players and take all the guys that are coming off a, a week off and not going through that pressure cooker last week. So I think there is some benefit in at least doing that data analysis there. Obviously, when you see the likes of Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa, DJ, you go, well, those guys are good. Uh, They're going to do well. But we really have seen a lot of long shots at least win the tournament the last number of years. I mean, Webb Simpson might be the one outlier. Stuart Sink, Satoshi Gadara, C.T. Pan, Brandon Grace, trying to factor in these guys who are in the Masters, how hungover figuratively are they going to be and be ready to go four days later? I would think Cam Smith is not in the best frame of mind this morning as we record this on Monday. Whether he can regroup by Thursday, we'll see. It would be a good fit for him as well. I think this is a, a good week to not really jump on all of these big names. And we'll have some for you because I sort of go through every category, every price point and identify some guys, but I could see avoiding them all this week. Yeah, I could too. The one guy out of this five pack of players in the five figures is Dustin Johnson jumps out at me a little bit. Back in his home state of South Carolina, was hitting everything really well last week other than the driver. He might not even need a driver. He can leave driver at home and not even bring it to Harbortown this week. It's such a short, confined golf course that he can just hit some long irons, some hybrids, uh, medium woods around there and be fine. So not too worried about that. And I feel like DJ is starting to really trend in the right direction at some point. And someone mentioned this to me the other day. They're like, there's something good coming for DJ very, very soon. And so you look at the rest of it, JT, look, JT is playing very well right now. I do think at some point he wins. And I've said this uh, a handful of times and I'm going to keep saying it until it becomes true. But JT is not just going to win. He's going to win one week by eight shots. He's just going to win going away in some field. Cam Smith. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of bitter disappointment he's got to get over. If anyone can do it, it's him. He's a great player. I'm probably staying away this week. Morikawa, I can get behind some Morikawa. Great ball striker. Played really well last week, but never quite like in it. I mean, you look at the final result and go, oh, top five finish. He played really well. He was never quite there. I don't necessarily think that he had the pressure cooker that he was dealing with. Then Patrick Cantlay, who screwed me once, shame on me, screwed me twice, shame on you, staying away from Patrick Cantlay this week. There hasn't been a long hitter win this tournament in years. Dustin Johnson almost won it in 2019. He was leading going into the final round and imploded uh, with a 77. So Mm -hmm. he just lost it, but he did have the lead and was playing well. And as you mentioned, this is his home state. I could see him doing well. I've sort of identified Colin Morikawa as my top pick for a bunch of the reasons that you mentioned. One, he did have a great week, but he was not in pressure-filled golf. Morikawa had a great week and just sort of I don't want to say stumbled into a top five, but he was there. So I think he can be relatively fresh. He didn't play the week before. He also was seventh here last year. And when this narrow tree line dog legs where you got to hit the ball straight. Oh yeah. Colin Morikawa is good at hitting the ball straight. That was some very fine analysis right there. Let's get down to the 9,000s. A couple guys at the top of this that I do have some interest in starting with Shane Lowry. Don't be surprised if Shane Lowry picks up a trophy at some point. I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's 
in two weeks. I don't know if it's in two months when it might be, but Shane Lowry is going to have all this good play culminate in something nice and shiny at some point. He's at 9,800. Corey Connors really like it. 9,700. Matt Fitzpatrick has said this is his favorite golf course on the PGA tour. He's at 9,500 finished top five last year. And that's really all I'm chasing. I know a lot of people like Joaquin Neiman this week. I'm not into it. Russell Henley, another guy that I was on last week, won't be on him as much this week. And Jordan Spieth is a full fade for me right now. I'm going to wait until I see more from Jordan before I go after him. Lowry was in the mix again last week. Every week he is top 15. He was one of the few guys who did have pressure-filled moments throughout Sunday. We'll see how tired he is. Corey Connors, I was prepared to fade Corey Connors. This is the fourth week in a row he's playing. There aren't too many guys who played the match play and then the Valero and then the Masters and now this. But I checked last year and he did the same thing as he's doing this year. And oh, yeah, he was fourth last year. The only difference being he didn't make it as far in the match play. But otherwise, he played the same number of matches. I do like Daniel Berger at 96. He's had some good results here. 13th last year, third the year before. He's a very conservative player. I could see needing to be conservative. A lot of water, a lot of trouble. Uh, He hits the ball straight. Very good number strokes gained approach. And around a green, 9,600. I like him and I do like Matt Fitzpatrick and I do like Joaquin Neiman 9,000 a lot cheaper than some of these other guys all right let's get to the 8,000s we've got Webb Simpson Billy Horschel uh I sent out a tweet about Billy Horschel yesterday I said I would pay big money for a live stream of Horschel and his Sunday playing partner Tyrrell Hatton missing a flight maybe getting cut off in traffic getting to a restaurant two minutes after it closes and Billy texted me this morning goes I saw your tweet I said, oh boy. He goes, man, I thought it was hilarious. My wife was cracking up. That was so good. Oh, by the way, Tyrrell Hatton right below him at 8,600. I've yet to hear from Tyrrell based on that tweet, but uh, hopefully he isn't too mad at me either. If he gets mad, I think we'll know it. Varner, Siwoo, Alex Noren, Fleetwood, Kisner, Kirk. I don't love a whole lot in this range, quite frankly, Len. I'm looking at Webb Simpson, who has made a career out of a couple of events like this. The RBC Heritage, the Wyndham Championship, right up his alley. Started playing some better golf last week. Wound up finishing in 35th place. Not terrible, not terrific. Sort of right in the middle. Scores were okay, 73-76 on the weekend. But I might have a little investment in Webb Simpson. And then Kisner, I would, except that the entire world's going to be on Kevin Kisner this week. And so for cash games, I think it's fine. For GPPs, I'm probably just staying away from Kisner just for the sole reason that everyone's going to be on him this week. I also think that Webb Simpson is going to be pretty popular for obvious reasons, and certainly because he's only $8,800 to get a guy who's in the top 10 or 15 here every year. I think this is kind of a real barometer and a litmus test to look at Webb Simpson because he has not been playing very well overall. He's outside the top 40 now in the world ranking. So if we look at Webb Simpson this week and he doesn't play well, I think that's a real warning sign for him for the rest of the season. Not the youngest guy anymore. Tommy Fleetwood, 8,200. I was really hard on Tommy Fleetwood. I was sort of watching him drop, drop, drop out of the top 50 in the world. And he got to 49th and stopped. He's had four straight top 25s. He was top 15 at the Masters last week. Second on tour, strokes gained around the green. That's going to be an important stat this week. I think scrambling, a lot of greens are going to be missed with the small, tiny greens. You're going to have to get up and down, and scrambling is going to do it. Another reason he did well last week, scrambling very important at the Masters. And Chris Kirk's another guy who I'm on just about every week, and he hasn't Mm -hmm. really screwed me yet. 
$8,000, good around the greens, fair price. He's the second highest price guy who wasn't in Augusta. Alex Noren, 8,300, was the highest price guy not in Augusta. Chris Kirk is second. I like him as well to round out the eights. Yeah, I don't dislike that at all. I had Kirk as my outright winner at the Valero Texas Open. I believe he was 35th. He wound up with a final round 72. He was kind of in it for a while there, though, in San Antonio. So I don't mind that at all. I uh, get down to the 7,000s. One of the reasons I don't like a lot of the 8,000 guys because I do like a handful of guys in the 7,000s. And I will be hammering the top of the 7,000s, starting with Maverick McNeely, who I think is an absolute steal, the bargain of the week at 7,900. I called him in my column this week, perhaps the best player who didn't compete in the Masters last week. I get that he's 71st in the world, and there's probably a guy in 51st who didn't make it, and that guy probably has a gripe, but Maverick McNeely I think is really good. I think this might be the last year he doesn't play in the Masters for an awfully long time. Going down the list, Kevin Knob, maybe my favorite outright play this week at 7,800. I will start off a lot of lineups going McNeely, nah, and some of them will go right down $100 less to Mito Pereira, too, who's been pretty good. I mean, everyone's kind of jumped off Mito after they all loved him coming off the Corn Ferry last year. Uh, at the Valero, he was 13th before that, 27th. Okay, miscut at the players. 30th, 15th. I mean, that's trending in really good form, other than the players where I believe he was on the wrong side of the draw. He's got four straight top 30 finishes. So I like Mito there. Adam Hadwin doesn't have a great record here, but it's a course that should suit his game. And then I'll throw Denny McCarthy on there as well. A guy who on short golf courses plays his best golf. He's a really good putter on Bermuda. I like uh, Matt Kuchar at 7,800, a former mm-hmm. champion here in 2014. You know, I tweeted about how Kuchar did not make the Masters for the first time. And there are a bunch of guys, Ian Poulter, Henrik Stenson, Brand Snedeker. These guys were there every year for the past 10 or 15 years. And now you have to wonder if they're ever going to get back. Kind of dicey them to get into the top 50 in the world. Hard to win a tournament. Maybe they can go the Patrick Harrington route and somehow get into a high finish in a major. But this is a really one of Matt Kuchar's best chances remaining to win a tournament. Uh, he loves this golf course. There's a quote from him that I use every year in my preview, talking about the water hazards, the tiny greens, the dog legs, the narrow fairways. He says it's so exciting to try and truly play chess around this golf course and he was good a couple of weeks ago at the Valero he finished second probably very fresh in his mind that he was off for the second week in April for the first time in a long time and he can rectify that for next year very quickly this week Mito Pereira I didn't have him on my list but you're right I think his problem is that he didn't come on like Zalatoris so people are sort of dismissing him and Hadwin, I wrote exactly what you said. Hadwin has not played Harbortown well in the past. That's curious because it seems perfect for his game. So I do like him as well. And Lucas Glover, another guy who hits the ball very straight, accurate off the tee, accurate with his irons. He's not really been having high finishes here, but he's good at making the cut. And we're down at 7,200, almost in the range where I look for guys to try and just get to the weekend and then hope for the best. By the way way down there at 7,000. A couple of guys in the low 7,000. Patton Kazire, I don't mind. Uh, Davis Riley at 7,000. Ricky Fowler's at 7,000. I'm not suggesting you take him. In fact, I'm suggesting the exact opposite. Since DFS was invented, I can't mm. imagine Ricky Fowler has ever been 7,000 in a week. There's no way Ricky Fowler's ever been 7,000 before. 
you know, I looked at Ricky Fowler and I said, well, maybe, you know, could sneak in Ricky Fowler this week. But then I looked at some other things and there's just nothing there to grasp onto. Nope. Nope. Just, just nope. nothing there. Nothing. Six thousands. Ah, I can go a little Joel Damon here. I like Brant Snedeker a lot, actually. Played pretty well. Coming out of a big slump. Finished uh, top 20 at the Valero Tex Open a few weeks ago. Emiliano Grillo, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, eh, not really. Hasn't been great lately. But I do think he fits the golf course. And then if you guys are really like Matthew Neesmith, love him this week. Had him on the radio show a couple of weeks ago. Said, Matthew, if we're going to take you at one place this year, where is it? And without hesitation. Oh, I love Harbortown. Mm. Absolutely take me at Harbortown. Uh, played okay last year and the year before. Finishes right around 38th, 40th. So nothing spectacular, but he's a South Carolina guy. This could be a really good week for Neesmith. For those betting, I don't mind a little sprinkle on outrights for Matthew Neesmith this week. And then Alex Smalley, not sure the course necessarily fits him. But this is a guy who's, it gets no recognition for being a really good young player. I get it. There's a lot of good young players. There's a lot of really good young players. He's not on the level of a lot of them, but he's still pretty good for a guy that's sitting there at 6,600. And then I'll throw in my guy. Doc Redman. Doc Redmond at 6,400. I'm going to keep trying to buy low on the good doctor until he shows us that we shouldn't do it anymore, which maybe he's, he's been showing us for a while anyway. Last time they played in South Carolina at Congaree last year, he finished runner-up. So there is a little bit to think about there. Len, anybody in the 6,000s you're looking at? I was having a little trouble getting jump-started riding my preview. And then I got to the 6,000s and I started to get excited. There are only 132 guys in the field. So half the field is going to make the cut. A lot of 6,000s are going to make the cut. This is, of course, super short. So there are guys who have trouble competing most weeks because they just hit the ball so short. But this week is, I don't know if it's their Super Bowl, but they must feel really good about this week. Two of the guys I like are the two absolute shortest hitters on the PGA Tour, Brendan Todd at Mm -hmm. 6,800 and Brian Stewart at 6,700. They're both about 275. Todd is a little bit less. He's dead last on tour in distance. But both of these guys are super accurate off the tee which is important this week. And they're pretty good around the greens as well, probably because they starting from so far back, they don't have high greens and regulations numbers. I mean, they got to do something to stay on tour and they have good wedge play. So I like them both this week. And I'm going to go way, way out on a limb down at 6,200 to Tyler Duncan. He's only 250 to one on the sports book, which caught my eye because there are guys in his price range that are 300, 400, 500 to one. I'm not sure what the sports book sees, but you know, he's made about half his cuts distance off the tee is his problem. Pretty good strokes gained around the green and he missed the cut last year, but he was 28th here two years ago. Some of these guys are going to make the cut. I happen to like these three a lot. I don't know if they're all three make it, but individually I like them. By the way, I also forgot to mention down there at 6,300 Luke Donald. I know that a lot of people listening have not put Luke Donald into a lineup in a long time. I'm right there with you. He ranks fourth on the PGA Tour this season in strokes gained on approach shots. Those irons are back to maybe not world number one type level, but not too far off. This is also his place. If you're ever going to take Luke Donald, he is the Phil Mickelson of the U.S. Open 
of the RBC heritage. That's a mouthful <laughs> there, but five career runner-up finishes at this one for Luke. He certainly knows how to get around this golf course. I would expect him to be pretty highly owned if people want to go with some studs up top. All right, let's get to our lineup, Len. Where are you going first? I'm not going to go anywhere near the top. It's unbelievable. If you would have said to me a few weeks ago that I'd be picking Tommy Fleetwood, I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, I was sort of even not nice to him in writing about him. He's just been really great ever since a miscut at the Honda. Four straight top 25s, another good week last week. As I mentioned, second on tour in strokes gained around the green. He's only $8,200. I don't expect him to be highly owned. He could fit into just about any lineup. One pick in, and I can already foresee a balanced lineup in our future. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to happen. I'm only going to go 300 further down the list till I get to Maverick McNeely, who tends to play his best golf on short golf courses. He was top five here a year ago. He was runner-up at Pebble Beach, I believe, last year. He was uh, also top five at the Fortinet Championship. Essentially, he plays good golf every week, and if you get him on a course that's under 7,200 or so, he plays great golf. I think he's a smash play. I was shocked to see him at 7,900, and I'll be shocked if he's not in most of my lineups. I certainly could see that. I guess we could keep it really low here, and who knows, and maybe be left with 4,000, 5,000 at the end. I'm debating whether to go up, but I'm not going to do that because I like Matt Kuchar this week, and Matt Kuchar loves this golf course, and Matt Kuchar plays this golf course very well, and he still played it well when he wasn't playing well anywhere else the last couple of years. He's only 7,800, and for better or for worse, he's rested this week. Kuchar is a guy that fits here. He's played well here many, many times. I, I think that's good. I'm going with a guy that's right in that same category. I knew I could, I could smell a balanced lineup coming. And my favorite outright play, I mentioned it, Kevin Na coming off a 14th place finish at the Masters. Guess what? Harbortown suits him a whole lot better than Augusta National does. If he's playing that well at Augusta National, just watch out for this week. Five career top tens at this event. I could see him winning. I think he's got a really nice number in the betting markets. You can get him about 60 to 1, 70 to 1 in the markets. I think Kevin Nas is a smash play this week. And he's at, oh, I see 7,800. So, so we've got 18.3 left to spend, 91.50 per man. Wow, 18-3. All right, I'll go all the way up here and still leave you plenty, I think. And if I go with Shane Lowry, who we both like, and has just been on a heater, it's just a question of whether he can recover from last week soon enough. But he's mm -hmm. $9,800, and he can be the captain or whatever of our lineup. I like that. I will point out, and I'm not going to veto it, I will point out, if you did go Fitzpatrick where I thought you were going, you can go Fitz and Webb Simpson in that lineup, which I think is a really nice play there. But I also like Lowry, so I certainly don't have a problem with it. Other than, hey, now we're down with 8,500 left to spend. I love Harold Varner. Uh, I spoke with Harold Varner a few times at Augusta. Finished in 23rd place. Third round 80. It just feels like when the pressure is on, I just want him to come through and play his best golf. Siwoo Kim right behind him. Eh, don't have a ton of interest in Siwoo this week. Maybe I should have more. Alex Noren, I like. Kevin Kisner, I like. You mentioned Chris Kirk. And I've been on Chris Kirk a lot. You've been on Chris Kirk a lot. Let's go with Chris Kirk. I probably like Kisner a little bit more, to be honest. But like I said earlier, for GPPs, I think he's going to be highly owned. I think he's going to be a really popular play. I'm going to go with Chris Kirk in this lineup. Leave 500 on the table. But Fleetwood, Kirk, Kucher, Lowry, McNeely, nah. That is some balance right there. We don't have a bad player in that lineup. 
it did seem like we were going to go that way. And I think we left people enough options where if they like somebody a little bit more, we threw out enough names there that they can go somewhere here, somewhere there. It should be a fun week, at least for DFS, hopefully in the actual tournament. I hope so, too. It's actually one of my favorite events. I've only gone straight from Augusta to Hilton Head once in the past. That was the year that Spieth won, and it was a blast. We just had a good time that week. And so the players will be much more relaxed, much looser, and they will be having a good time this week as well. Hope you have a good time watching them. Hope you had a good time listening to us. Remember, you can find the Links and Locks podcast everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and listen. For Len Hochberg, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your plays for this week's RBC Heritage. Here's hoping you guys hit the green.